This message is sponsored by the Center for Embracing Hope, Healing, and Renewal, a holistic health and wellness center. Faith, lift, and hope. Mental health and health go together. It's scientifically proven, y'all. Brought to you from the Consciousness Cultivator, in service to humanity, serving all of the mind, body, and soul's needs from various approaches. But it's painful. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going right. to belittle that for anybody else either. It is painful. And that's, that's what I was talking about in our recent podcast. And when I said, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, what is the answer to uh, overcoming or managing or just keeping depression, anxiety and all kinds of other issues at bay? I'm like, it's a conscious decision that you're not going to succumb. Mm-hmm. Literally. And, you know, uh, uh, people will be like, oh, but my circumstances and said in the third, listen, I get it. But you still have control over your reaction to whatever is happening to you. You know, and, and at the end of the day, you still take into consideration, right, this, this transgenerational trauma and even your own trauma outside of that, right? Um, because your own traumatic events also play a role in how you react to things and what you choose to do. Um, what's... Um, I read a book, The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. Uh, he is, what is his name? Vanderkolk. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I remember reading that when I was like, you know, studying trauma to learn how to better treat uh, people with PTSD and things like that. And I got to tell you, like, trauma really does a number to your body. Mm-hmm. So, and people don't understand it. You know, I've had, I've had clients that have come to me and, you know, they were either struggling with cancer or diabetes or some really chronic um, illness. And they would say, you know, but I've, I've worked out all my life and, you know, this shouldn't be and this, that, and the third. And then you talk to them about their childhood or some traumatic event and they're like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I don't got to talk about that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you don't realize what this is doing to you. Mm-hmm. Do you? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, yeah, it's not easy to stand up one day and say, I am going to do everything opposite that my family, my friends, my spouse or partner, you know, um, expects of me or thinks I should be doing or even society for that um, matter. Right. Um, um. And um, just go on ahead and, do it differently. You know, yeah. you end up being the outcast, the black sheep, the people that think that either you're better than them. I, I'll never forget growing up, you know, when I was in college, my family members were like, oh, you think you're too good for us. All I was doing was getting a college education. Didn't know that was a bad thing. <laughs> but in the majority of my generation, like all of my siblings and cousins that were within my age range, Nobody really went to college. Then later on, they made fun of me. And they were like, um, when people would say, oh, what do you do? They'd be like, she's a professional student. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because I was in school for so long. 
But I mean, I went to get my bachelor's and then my master's and then my doctorate degree. That doesn't take five, you know, minutes. It's <laughs> it's a long process. And so every time that anything that had to do with me and education or my profession or my career, I did not want to share anything with anybody because immediately I was going to be treated like, oh, you think you're better than us. And mm -hmm. the said in the third. And it, yeah, it definitely took guts to be like, um, I don't care what you think. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely scary. And I was definitely, definitely alone in the process. Yeah, I can relate to that too. I, I feel like I was just so different though from the people who I grew up with that I was always an outsider. So it kind of was just like, I feel like I was just always doing things outside of the box. And so I never got approval. So I, I wanted it really bad, but I just never got it. So that I just did what I did. Cause I, at some point the learned helplessness was that I wasn't going to get any approval anyway. So might as well just do what I'm doing. Some of those things weren't so great that I did, and some of them turned out to be pretty okay. But they all led me to where I am today, which is a woman who has a lot of empathy and able to work with people because of the pain that I've experienced. So um, I think that um, it's really important to for people who have been able to kind of make it outside of that um, or to make it to where you described Wanda or where you described Michelle or where I feel like I am to hold the hand of the younger people who are struggling to find it because we do know how difficult it is and that's how we make it a new experience or a different experience, you know, by make, by giving them what we wish we had in some ways. You know, um, I wish I had unconditional positive regard. You know, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I love you anyway, and I'm here for you, you know? Or I, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I know that you have a wise woman that lives inside of you who has your answers and maybe this is what you need to do in order to, this is where she's taking you. So I'm gonna go for the ride with you. Um, and so I think that's our responsibility to make it easier for them. And that way we start to change the chain of DNA, right? I don't think it happens in one, in one fell swoop. I think it happens over generations the same way the DNA that we now have has been tainted. It becomes tainted in a positive way over generations because I don't think we're courageous enough as a society to change it in one generation. I have to say my son is, uh, I, this has become such a big topic for me because I, my son and I, he's my only child. We've always been very, very, very close. I mean, like extremely close. And since he went to college, things have really changed and it's been very difficult for me. And for him, it's kind of like, I'm a grown man now. 
uh, what is wrong with you? Like, let me go. Let me be my own man. And it's like, well, no, you don't got to be a grown man yet. You're only 20. Like, you don't have to be a grown. Your brain doesn't even stop developing until you're 27. So, like, you're not a man yet. So cut it out. And, you know, I'm a grown man. And, like, there's this, this power struggle between he and I. And I feel so hurt and so rejected and so left, abandoned. And it it really, like... It really occurred to me that I prayed for him to have the life he has. He goes to this, a school that is rated eighth in the country. He didn't come from that, right? But he's in school with what he calls the elite people in our society. And he's right, very wealthy people. He went to high school with very wealthy people. Now he goes to college with the and people who will end up being the influencers working on Wall Street, people who will work in government, people who like he this is what he where he is. But I did not realize that him attain so now he's getting ready to sit for the LSATs. And where is he gonna go? he's going to go to one of the top seven colleges because his school is a feeder school for Harvard, um, um, Columbia, um, Princeton. No, not Princeton. Not, that's not in there as a, um, as a okay. law school. Um, well, that's right. But, they don't have, a but, but schools like that. Right. Yeah. But that's the, awesome. But it's, it is, and it's not. Yeah, Because what I did not realize was how difficult it would be because he's now different than me. So I made this prayer, right? I wanted him from a little boy. You're going to go to Harvard. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to, and I wanted that, but I hadn't thought through what that would mean for him. That, that interacting with these people would mean he would have to separate himself a little bit in order to find his identity, in order to like step into this life that he's been given. So I think that like that right there, right, would, would make me freeze if it were me. I'd say, no, 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 I need to go back to my people because that's safe, that's what I know. And his courage says, I'm a man, I'm going to, I'm going to step up to this and I'm going to do it. But like, I see that it's like, I didn't anticipate that. And that's what I hear you talking about, Wanda, when you, and everything in me wants to say like, What's wrong with you? You acting like you better than you think that you're like where me and your dad are like the Beverly Hillbillies. What do you, you know? Like that's what I want to say. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's funny because everything you said right now, everything resonates with me a hundred percent. Because my son too is in this process, right? Goes to a school, one of the top schools in the state, um, and he's now applying for colleges. And of course, he's looking for the best of the best. And that's what I want for him because like you, I prayed over my children and they were going to be doctors and lawyers and chemists and whatever wonderful things, you know, except for the baby. She's just going to be fabulous. That's it. End of story. Because <laughs> she's got like fabulous attitude. But outside of that, it's like you, we 
parents don't recognize, like us who come from a different generation, do not get or understand what that actually means for them. They don't see life through the lens that we see life. And they will not experience it the way we experience it either. When they, my dad said to me, what do you think you're white? Do you think you're just going to go to school? Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's what I think I'm going to do. Absolutely. Yes. So it's kind of the same thing, just at a different, on a different scale. Yeah. 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 And, and funny enough, all he's doing is living the life that you chose for him. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And here you are being like salty about it. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I feel it. Too. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, it doesn't make sense, but it, but it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts, Michelle? I hear you over there ticking. I know, right? What do you mean ticking? Your brain. I hear it working. You hear my brain working? I do. The, the wheels are turning is what she Yes, saying. that's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, the the conversation resonates with me because of course you know um i i think uh, most of us identified for, from coming in from the trajectory of very different angles i think we all started to identify with the understanding that education at some level was power or it represented an ability to move differently um in our world and um going to go out on a limb because i've had to I, I've been deliberately, yes, Wanda, I'm going to go out on a limb. I have been challenging my um, my identity structures. I wanted to see what I was attached to in the last months. Motherhood, I think I've shared that with you a couple of different times. But one of the things I had to look at is, is power from the view of a mother. And I had to ask myself, is it true that that a child's ability to have more leverage or flexibility or anything in this world, is that directly linked to um, their having an education? Mm. And because for, I mean, I, I was a relentless taskmaster um, with my children growing up. I'm um, guilty too. I have, I have, I have a very multicultural kind of view um on that so where one didn't actually you know one of my cultures in my in my own dna um didn't didn't uh, carry it strong enough the other one would kick in what was you know the difference so i'm <laughs> laughing a little bit now because i realized that i had to understand that um my children like everyone in the world is a superpower unto themselves and each person mm -hmm. is a dynamic um, being that is unlimited and multidimensional. And if that was true for everyone in the world, then it must be true for my children too. And of course, then there are no limitations on my children. They can actually, they're free to explore who they are without the constructs. Mm -hmm. And so where I did used to believe that education was a necessary tool, I have now come to believe that it is more important for them to pursue their passion um, regardless of where that takes them. And if that takes them down a path that does not include education, then they are no less worthy for having followed their their heart's desire. So I was kind of staying quiet 
because I knew that I had kind of sort of altered that a little bit. I know a <laughs> lot of people out there are going to vehemently disagree with me um, and, 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 and have very vociferous reaction to that. But I, I really had to, I really had to have that moment, like who I see them as is a reflection of how I see myself. And so if mm -hmm. I, and how I see myself is how I see everyone else in the world. So since mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to see everyone's unlimited potential, I had to kind of start last eight months unshackle, you know, mm -hmm. the, the limiting beliefs that, that were tying that down. So I laugh because on one hand, uh, yes, I was a, a taskmaster. If you ask any of my children, they will tell you that I probably needed some prescription medication that I was a little <laughs> bit yeah, sorry. I, I just wanted to comment on that, Michelle. I wasn't a taskmaster for my son. I saw myself as a support for him. And I often tell him that you he has nothing to prove. Like he's already done it. Like who he's already done more than 95% of the people that we know. So it's like you, mm -hmm. if you decide to leave college today or tomorrow, if you decide not to go to law school, if you just whatever you decide to do is right for you and and you don't have anything to prove anymore yeah or at all but so i get what you're saying and and i i think you're right like the measure of i think my community thought that education was power yes but they too. didn't understand that once you get that education you become a threat and so yep. you might encounter so much more difficulty with the education than without it. And sometimes it may not be a liability. It might be a deficit. The only thing about the education that my dad used to tell me that I believe is correct is that no one can take it from you. Right. So the fact that I earned what I earned and it is mine and the information is mine and the achievement is mine speak gives me a sense of accomplishment that I probably would not have had but mm. I might have had it if I had of started a business or done something else that would have given me the same kind of sense of accomplishment yeah so something that I experienced uh growing up is like education was really not pushed um you know you were t you were told oh yeah you know you go to school you can make more money and uh, life is technically easier because you make more money so you're not like scrambling to put food on the table as much right but um but nobody ever talked about actually doing it mm. let alone pursue it mm -hmm. and i i think i used to watch like my biggest role model y'all was claire huxtable okay, <laughs> okay can i just claire. tell you listen listen <laughs> Listen, Linda, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> Claire was everything I aspired to be. Yeah. She was gorgeous. She was smart. She was professional. And she looked damn good every time she was on, you know, TV. And I was like, that's that's what I want. And and I remember getting made fun of for it. Mm -hmm. But I somehow along the way didn't care. I was like, I'm going to go get that. Yeah. Because I would see you know, from my mom to my neighbors, to my aunts, to cousins that were older. And all it was, was get married, have kids and work, whatever minimum wage job. 
And that's what I saw, literally, like all that, that's what surrounded me. So the idea of, oh, go get an education and be like professional in something was just not even realistic. But man, watching Claire, whew, I was like, it's gotta be cool to walk in those shoes. And that's what I sought out. That's awesome. Yeah. I had I had an aunt who was she became the dean of a college a, a, a um state college in New York, one of the state colleges. And um but my mother used to refer this her sister referred to her as crazy. Don't be like your aunt Frances. Oh don't wow. get you know how she's uppity. <laughs> don't get be like that. You don't you shouldn't be like that. So like, yeah. you know, it was so confusing. You know, it was just very confusing. Yeah. I wish I had a, been able to identify a role model like that. Oh man, uh, Claire Claire Huxtable was everything. Felicia Rashad, thank you. <laughs> yeah. so, if you're uh, listening, Miss Rashad, please yes, give us a shout out. I would love to give you a hug. Oh, because yes. Wanda is an amazing human. She and did. She if did it for you. You have to create that. Come give her a hug, Miss Rashad. <laughs> I know, right? That'd be awesome. Whew. But uh, but yeah, like you know, um, it was just not something that was common that you saw. And then whenever it was in front of you, it was either intimidated or it was made fun of or it was shunned. And so those mixed messages really create like a lot of confusion, yeah. in uh, especially in children and adolescents. Yeah. My and I'm, did you ever remember once when you were growing up in schools and Obia? Like, did any teacher or any? person ever ask you what you wanted to be when you got older like when you grew up I don't remember I don't think me neither I, I don't remember anybody ever asking me what do you want to be when you grow up I remember saying things like I'm going to be a dancer and I'm going to be a doctor you know because as a kid you want to be everything <laughs> but I don't remember ever anyone sitting me down and seriously saying Wanda what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what do you want? Hmm. Never. I don't know about you, Michelle. Well, I remember when I was in um, middle school, just got into middle school, and there was a, a nurse that had come in to talk to the class. And uh, at the end of that class, the, the teacher was saying that, um, that, you know, generally speaking, kind of towards towards the girls in the class that we could be nurses and so you know i was very excited because it was the first time now she didn't ask what we wanted to be she proffered that the girls could be nurses too so <laughs> you know I, my little brain had never cognized that i could be a nurse didn't know really you know all that so i went home very excited to my father and I told him that, you know, there was a nurse that, that came in and the, the teacher told us that, you know, I could be a nurse too. And I'll, I still, this memory has been burned indelibly in my brain. I was in the <laughs> kitchen and it was one of those 70s kitchens, you know, where there was still orange and yellow. You yes. Know, and that, you know, that is that, that kind of kitchen. My mom was at the sink. Um, and my dad was, was kind of passing through and I was telling about it. I was sitting at that little round glass table with the, you know, a couple chairs. And I was telling him, I was like, you know, she said, I could be a nurse too. I thought I had something. He turned around and looked at me and he said, 
you are not going to be the nurse. He said, you can be the doctor. Mm -hmm. He said, never, never, ever, ever go out into this world and allow one human being to ever define what you can and cannot be. And it was, I love that. It's almost like he took his hand and backhanded me because I thought I had something golden. I had the golden ticket. You know, I could be a nurse. It was something to look forward to some, some potentiality in my, my quantum field opened up. So when he turned (laughs) around and he was offended, Mm -hmm. um, that, that there was a teacher who was telling me that I could be the nurse. He was like, I don't care what you do in life. He said, never let anybody tell you what you can be. You tell mm-hmm. yourself what you can be. And then I was like, well, they, what? I don't know all the things that I could be. You know what I mean? It, like you said, it's not a conversation. People didn't ask me that. So when someone told me one thing that I could do, I got very excited and then I came home and got verbally backhanded, like put that stupid <laughs> shit down. Do you know what I mean? Come home talking about that. You know what I mean? Coming in here with that rhetoric. I was like, oh, I never brought it up again. You know, so, but yeah, yeah. No, no, nobody ever asked. It was more of a telling. Yeah. For me yeah. anyway. Yeah. But Wanda, I, I mean, cool. Wanda Zenobia, I like what you told your son while you were saying it, the words that you you told your son growing up. I would have, I would like, I would like to have said those things myself, but I was too locked into my structure. It never, that, that was not a freedom that I felt, I thought that I was, I would ever trust them with. So I love that you offered your son those alternatives and those possibilities because i think that is a healthier way to go than you know the other well i didn't say it while he was growing up i say it now (laughs) he was growing up i you know i wasn't a taskmaster but i definitely pushed college but now i feel like you know you've achieved so much you know you don't have to prove anything else yeah, I I started off as a taskmaster and and to some degree I still am, but I'm not as rigid and I certainly allow for room to to think for yourself, to process things, to explore. Um and I think I think I'm I'm a taskmaster in the early stages of their lives because they're so small. But once they hit, you know, their teenage years, I kind of push back and, okay, now let me take a backseat and let you learn to think for yourself and learn to make decisions that you will stand in and see through. Um, I think mostly because I've seen so many kids in, in my career that I just, I've learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think I mostly strive to break the cycle of transgenerational trauma in my children. And I hope that they continue or pick up at least where I left off because this is a very real um, impact for, from one generation to the next. Yeah, I hope so, too. I hope that my son 
um, continues to break the cycles, but I, I, it makes me afraid because I'm afraid of what that would will actually look like mm-hmm. in our relationship. You know, I've learned that to say something and to receive it is one thing, but then to live it out is something different. Yeah, very much. Yeah. It's been a good session, guys. It has. <laughs> you know, I thought about what you said earlier. I just want to last comment for me is um, I think that one of the keys to to helping uh, people break the chains of their transgenerational traumas is to help them understand I think their inherent worthiness. I think that mm. if people could understand that there is literally nothing that you have to do, that you are perfect in this moment, exactly as you are, that the fact that you breathe air, the only thing you have to do is breathe to be entitled to that fulfilling sense of worthiness. Just breathe, just exactly who you are, perfection in this present moment i feel like if we were able to come at that idea and help people understand that i think that would that would change the face of the planet if everybody stepped into their worthiness knowing there was nothing that they had they didn't have to earn it they already earned it by being born that's all after, after they were worthy every day since then i but i realized that that would unroll we'd have to unroll a lot of a lot of issues to for them to come back to that center of when they were babies and they felt that natural playfulness and exuberance with life. I think that the path, and I think that the path there to take everybody back to that time when they knew their worthiness, when there were no conditions to it. You know, I, I think that's the journey and I think that's the mission of all healers and um, on this planet. And I, when I say healers, I mean, there are healers in the medical community. I consider people in the mental health community healers. I consider, you know, people that have abilities in the new age spiritual community, they're healers. And I think that's the call of healers right now on the planet is to bring as many people back to that centered knowing of worthiness, mm-hmm. not because you did anything not from where you came from, just because you exist. I think if we can do that as a team, then I have hope for the planet. I have hope for the race, the human race, if we can do that together. I love that. I don't know that I ever received that message. I love that. I mean, I receive it now, right, from people who love me. But, like, if imagine getting that message as a kid. I hope I transmitted that message to my son. I wanted to, I didn't have those words, but that was, that was what I wanted him to know. I hope that I gave that to him. That's powerful. Without judgment, I will tell you that I did not. 
Yeah. And I had to stop judging myself once I started to have my philosophies change. Once yeah. I realized that I did not give that permission to my children, you know, then comes the judgment, which also is not loving, you know, then well, I had to work my way into forgiving myself for not, I did not give my children that option. I do. I, I think I give that, that to my every I think day that we do what we know. Right. And if you, yeah. I was started to become indoctrinated into like the new age thinking in the late nineties, early two thousand. So that was before I had him. But if you became indoctrinated in it, like in the recent years and your children are older, you wouldn't have known to think like that. Right. Because it's so foreign. Well, for me, I, I have to say like, if there's one thing that I understand within Christianity is that God made me the way that I was meant to be made. Mm. And, you know, that is throughout the Bible. You know, you are perfect in the way that you have been made. You, you are wonderfully and fearfully made. Mm -hmm. And this is a message that I impart to my kids daily. Like there's nothing you have to do to be better or more perfect because you are as perfect as you need to be. Um, and essentially, I think that one of the things that drives me and allows me to thrive is the fact that I know that I'm God's daughter and the king is my father and I don't have to do anything for it. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to, you know, like, I don't know, achieve some outrageously difficult uh, goal or task. It's just every day that I wake up and I open my eyes, I am blessed mm. because I am his. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. And, and this is a message that I tell my kids all the time. Mm. Like, you're perfect the way you are. And will you make mistakes along the way? Absolutely. But you are perfect in the way that you are. You don't need to be validated by other people. Mm. So that's my message. I think that's a good place to close. What do you guys think? <laughs> well, everybody, this is the wrap. Be well, everybody. <laughs>